Welcome along to 20 Minute Topic. I'm Marcus Stead and I'm joined as ever by Greg Lance Watkins. What are Greg's pet hates? He's going to tell us why he doesn't like music in movies and in TV shows and in documentaries and also about his irritation at so-called experts on the telly who don't know what they're talking about. This is going to be different, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Do stay with us. Well, Greg, it's August. It's silly season. We're going to break from our usual format a little bit because we don't want to go over the same ground every week about COVID and everything else and Brexit we've done to death recently as well. So we're going to talk about one another's pet hates. And it's your turn on this occasion. And your first pet hate, well, you describe it. It relates to music, but it's a bit more specific than that. Go on, explain this one. Go on. Well, I really do get very annoyed with having... Uh, particularly movies, but it's also crept into um, serials and the like, ruined by people choosing to put music in it. Um, Just imagine Julie Andrews on top of a mountain, all on her own, singing full-bloodedly and having a 60-piece orchestra. Where the hell did that come from? Oh, now, come on now. You've got to be see things for what they are. This is escapism that's primarily aimed at children. Are you one of these people that goes around telling little children that Father Christmas doesn't exist? Because that's, that's where this sort of thing extends, doesn't it? This is escapism. It's not meant to be real. Park your worries of the day to one side. Enter the world of fantasy just for a couple of hours. I hate to tell you, it doesn't appeal at all to children. It appeals to little old ladies who stand in queues outside assorted hippodromes to see sound of music for the 43rd time <laughs> so I, you... I find it awful and you watch you watch sort of drama of any sort and it hasn't come very far from the silent movies where you've got somebody beating a piano to death i just can't be doing with music at all in movies. So I don't mind mu- music if it's appropriate. And don't please say, ah, but it appeals to some people. Yeah, but so does pornography. Is that why David Attenborough does every life um, wildlife pro- program? And all of a sudden, you've got copulating lions. But, Greg, there's going to be people listening to this right now who are going to be shouting at their radios or their smartphones or however they're listening to this podcast saying, you're a right miserable git. That's what people are going to be saying because you, you watch The Sound of Music. Okay, The Sound of Music was made in 1965 and you were already a young adult by that stage. But to see Julie Andrews with her guitar and the children gathered around her or when she sat in that field and, though a deer, a female deer... Ray, a drop of golden sun. And then the orchestra pipes up, doesn't it? We can't see the orchestra, but we can hear it. Are you saying that children don't enjoy escaping into that world? I don't think children ever did. I think, as I said, it was little old ladies watching it for the 43rd time. Well, I have seen, to be fair, and I'm not going to name and shame people because they are friends of mine, but I know people women of a certain age, middle-aged women and late middle-aged women, who have put on nuns' habits and gone to theatres for the sister act sing-along nights that they have in theatres sometimes. There are fully grown adults who do that, you know. 
I know. But there's Broadmoor for people who the next step on. I, I, I just cannot be doing with that. All right, you were brought up in a different time. You were brought up in an era without television, really. And your early life was like that. Didn't you have any, when you were a young boy, a sense of escapism? Because you and I have talked in the past, particularly when you were living in Singapore as a young boy, driving to a certain part of Singapore, which is a very, very different place then to what it is now. So you could pick up the BBC World Service and listen to some of their escapist outer space, journey into space, stuff like that. That was escapism, wasn't it? Uh, yes, but it didn't have a, a 62-piece orchestra in, on the rocket. Nowadays, it would do. It would have some damn fool soundtrack of music as it does in did in Alien and has done in all sorts of other movies. It's to set the mood. Yeah, well, it sets me into a right mood. Off goes the television. So if you're like, you're watching, I don't know, an action movie then, let's talk in a more adult context, an action movie and there's a car chase and the car chase goes on for about three or four minutes. You've got I some sort want, of... I don't want an orchestra. But do you want that sort of low-level bass? No. You don't want that either? No. So there's this... Play the engine noise. Well, for four minutes. You're, it's a visual experience. I'm not there to watch music. I'm there to watch the car chase. So what about if you're watching something a bit softer then, like a romantic story and the couple, they've been separated for a long time and then they get together and they go for a walk in the field and there's a scene for three or four minutes of not very much happening, or they're kissing or whatever. A bit of romantic music in the background then? You find me a field where there's an orchestra standing by for a couple to walk into it and be a bit romantic with a 62-piece orchestra. I think what this really boils down to is that you're, you don't have much in the way of a sense of escapism. You have to, every programme you watch, every drama, that doesn't look real, that would never happen. Is that how your mind works? Yes. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There They're you go, I've got you. By fact. Yeah, but not everything's meant to be. Journey into Space wasn't real, you enjoyed that. Uh, yes, but it was potential fact. There was no 62-piece orchestra lurking in the rocket. I'm just wondering how far you take these things now. So the television really, really does go off, does it? The, the television really does go off when you see these things. Um, all too often, yes. So you can be halfway through a film, and it's so far so good. It and... shatters the illusions of that movie to have somebody playing a violin unless there is call for a violin. It's got nothing to do with the movie. So th the movie's gone well. Suddenly reciting a piece of really nice poetry that's got nothing to do with the movie. Mm. So why on earth have you got music which has nothing to do with the movie? It's the same as the um, elderly lady who was al alongside the screen in a silent movie, beating a piano to death. Do you think that part of it then is, because I'm going to be as cynical as you are just for a minute. Part of it is that scriptwriters for sections of movies and sometimes TV dramas as well, 
have run out of things to say for that period? I think totally. Hmm. It, it, it could well be, but there are people listening to this now absolutely guaranteed who will be bemoaning your lack of imagination on this. And it's a trend that's not going to change anytime soon. However, in terms of what we're really talking about here, unnecessary music, the thing that gets me is not so much when I'm watching a movie or a drama, but if I'm watching a factual program and the narrator is still speaking and you've got music on, they get the sound levels all wrong. And the music is just too loud. And I can't hear what the narrator is saying. Now, there was a veteran TV presenter, and I'm not going to name him because he's no longer with us now. But he worked in TV for many, many years. And I interviewed him about seven, eight years ago. And he was an old man then, very well-known fellow. I'm not going to, it doesn't feel quite right naming him on air anyway. But I think you know who I'm talking about. because I've told you this before. And he said that modern trends in television, he said two things annoyed him. One was the, if he's watching a factual program, is cut, 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 this endless cutting of cameras every three or four seconds. And the other thing he said was, because he was wearing hearing aids in old age, and particularly he said getting the sound levels wrong when the narrator is speaking and the music is just too loud. And he said, and I, I sympathize with this point because I notice it a bit myself these days, it drowns out, you can't hear what's being said. It's just too damn loud. Oh, I agree. Mm. There's no mm. call for it. What is that music there for? It's the set atmosphere and ambiance. It destroys the atmosphere and the ambiance because it's their imagination of what sort of music would be playing. Everybody has different taste in music. Yeah, you get no, you get no, there's certain things. Music is very subjective. No, no two people have got exactly the same taste in music. Uh, Humour is very subjective. And it's partly to do with your genetics, partly to do with the environment you grew up with and the environment you live in now. You're never going to get 100% agreement on these things, are you? Uh, for instance, um, you take the, the spaghetti westerns mm. uh, filmed in places like Sardinia, not in the West. The Western bit's quite good, but you get overloaded with the spaghetti. Stupid soundtracks to Clint Eastwood movies, where the soundtrack becomes more important than the damn movie. Oh, but did you ever see the musical version of Oliver, which we, we did a, a stage no, version in my God. primary school? Well, it, you had Harry Seacombe singing in that. You had uh, Ron Moody as Fagan in This Life. One thing counts in the bank, larger amounts. I'm afraid these don't grow on trees. You've got to pick a pocket or two, boys. You've got to pick a pocket or two. You've never seen that. I'm relieved to say no, I haven't. I was spared that embarrassment <laughs> on his behalf. I think, I partly agree with you, right? But I think there is an issue with you, is that you don't find it easy to escape the real world that, that, that well. I don't think you escape from reality that well. I think suspending no, I reality is hard to. for you. I want the movie to be about what the movie's about, not about some damn fool soundtrack that drowns out half the words, all the subtlety, and tries to make me feel scared, exhilarated, etc., with their lame-brained choice of music. Take the music out completely, because more often than not, it actually detracts from the movie. 
Well, listeners, do send in your feedback. Is Greg being a miserable git here? Is he not able to suspend reality? Is he not able to enjoy simple childlike pleasures in life? We're going to move on now. Subject number two, and this one I am with you completely on. Experts who don't know what they're talking about. Go on, tell us. That sums up most of them. Let's start out with um, one that really isn't all that controversial if you look at the facts. Climate change experts. Yes. Where they tell you that any second now you're going to be up to your neck in water because the, the sea's coming, rising, um, and 180 million people will die within the next 50 years uh, because of sea rises. No, they bloody well won't. It'll come up to their knees and they'll say, this ain't very good, and they'll move uphill. Your late friend Christopher Booker had a very good theory on this, which dated right back to the 1960s. And he said, even when he was working at the BBC, when he was part of the satire boom with David Frost and all that lot, um, well, it's been Gerald Kaufman, Keith Waterhouse, Ned Sherin, they would all have been there at that time. Uh, Bernard Levin as well, the, the lot. He, he was very, very much a part of that. Willie Rushton, you name it. And he said, even in his era at the BBC, he said that BBC had an agenda even then. The side of the argument they wanted to pursue, they would get someone on who was eloquent and well-spoken. The side of the argument they were against, they would bring in a humorless bore. And that was a trait I'd even then. I'd do a lot of work, wouldn't I? <laughs> no music. <laughs> but, okay, the BBC, we've talked in other podcasts, and I'm sure we'll come back to it. The bias has intensified somewhat in, in recent years, and we, I'm sure we're going to return to that in the future. But here's the thing that winds me up on a very, very similar note is, is things like the Sky News newspaper reviews, which they have every morning and every evening. And about ooh, less than a year ago, they had a big clear out. A lot of people who've been working on it for years were got rid of. And I thought it was partly a cost cutting measure, and it probably was. But I now hear like half past 11 at night or half past seven in the morning, you're watching the Sky News pay-per-view. Joining us is, then they, they named some like 25-year-old woman who you've never heard of, who works for a think tank you've never heard of, who's going to come on now for half an hour and tell us all about the world. She's got it all worked out at 25 years of age. Who on earth is she? Do you, do you agree with me on this? Um. That's why I've changed over to watching Al Jazeera in preference to Sky. And I changed to Sky because I got so sick of bias, propaganda, and the same old people peddling the same old party line for the BBC. There is a little network of people who seem to appear on every political show. Yeah. All right. All right. Let, let's let's name the most the one who annoys me the most, Owen Jones. Now, can somebody please tell me? Again, as Peter Hitchens said in his column a few years ago about Owen Jones, Peter Hitchens, whatever you may think of him, and I, I know you and I have certainly had our differences with him in recent months, but he had to be an industrial correspondent on a local paper in the seventies. He worked at the Daily Express office. He worked in Moscow. He worked in Washington. He's traveled the world and all that before he got a column in his mid-40s, right? Owen Jones, straight out of university, writes a book, Chabs, The Demonization of the Working Classes. Well, I have a problem with the title of that book for a start because it implies that a chab and a working class person are the same thing. They are most definitely not. But Owen Jones got a very nasty demeanor anyway. And I see now, by the way, that The Guardian are doing how to write a column, have lessons from Owen Jones 
and uh, it was it was on Guido Forks today. I think they're charging something like twenty five quid a time, possibly more than that even. How to write a column? Let Owen Jones teach you. But what on earth does he know about life at his age? And bear in mind, he's been in the public eye for the best part of ten years now. That makes him a valid guest to appear on the Sky newspaper review, even though he walked out on it once when he threw a little hissy fit on Question Time on the BBC Politics Live. Why is he qualified to talk about this stuff? He isn't. But there are so many like this, aren't there? I have a suggestion. Why don't they put heavy soundtrack with him of music <laughs> so we don't listen to him? Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. He has no opinions that resonate with me whatsoever from his strident obsession with telling me on every possible occasion that he's homosexual. I don't care. Yeah, I am not remotely interested in what he gets up to in his bedroom. It is not relevant to what is being discussed. Why do you bring it into every conversation? That's a very, very good point. But again, I was watching the, during the whole Black Lives Matter thing when that was at its peak a few weeks ago. And uh, on one of the Sky News paper reviews, uh, there, there was this woman. I, I'd never seen her before in my life. I didn't know who she was. And she's, again, one of these people, very, very young, thought she knew it all about the world. And she was saying, well, what we really need now is because there are still problems in society with racism, we need to be a little bit less Martin Luther King and a little bit more Malcolm X. Well, first of all, Malcolm X believed that white people were devils. Martin Luther King believed in us treating each other by the content of our character, regardless of skin color. I know which version I prefer. Doesn't she? Or does, does she not know the first thing about Malcolm X, which would be my guess? No, my guess is that she is typical of... Um the partially trained and even well-trained Marxists who are behind um, organizations like Black Lives Matter, uh, the Weather Underground, um, the Black Panthers, CND, um, Extinction Rebellion, uh, they are peddling a line that fundamentally is utterly dishonest exaggerate situations to increase divisions and create problems that really don't exist as problems. What concerns me at the moment, the events of recent months, <coughs> is that these actions could set race relations in this country back 50 years or more. That's what's really concerning me at the moment because yes, there are problems and you've outlined those. But I live in a multiracial area, one of the oldest multiracial areas in Britain. And for the most part, people rub along pretty well. And yes, they do mix and integrate with each other pretty well, I have to say. So it is possible. It's not easy, but it is possible. I am concerned that the events of the last few months with the Black Lives Matter will set things back a very long way. And yes, we do need to be more like Martin Luther King and less like Malcolm X, the exact opposite of what that woman said. But the point I, I would make here, finally now, is that whether it's Owen Jones, whether it's Kevin Maguire, I am fed up of seeing the same damn faces touring, whether it's the Sky Newspaper Review, the Politics Live on the BBC, Peston's programme on ITV, the same faces popping up time and time again and question time panels as well, every time. Let's have more true diversity in the true sense of the word of opinion. Final word to you. Well, please tell me why I should listen to a word that toxic woman 
the extreme racist um, Yasmin Alibi Brown has mm. to say. Yep. Oh, yeah. She yeah. should. She's given a platform by these people. She is disgusting. She's a dishonest, racist, poisonous woman. We have to end on that note. So I hope you've found today entertaining. Do send us your feedback on both these subjects. Uh, is Greg a miserable git who hasn't got any imagination or is he spot on? Do let us know, please. We'll be back again with another podcast very soon. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. If you're sending responses, could you please make sure that they're not in parcel form because we won't be opening them. (laughs) 